Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, your home for all things chompy boys. My name is JD Young, one half of the content boys. Kyle continues to be kidnapped by Australians, but I reached out to a longtime friend, Fear the Fin alumni, uh, host of, uh, oh my God, I'm breaking <laughs> The Crease Cast. There you the go. The Crease Cast. Thank you. Lachlan Irvine of The Crease Cast. Lachlan, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm amazed that I was allowed back on this, uh, this network after, <laughs> after how, after, uh, leaving the, the other, the other show. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on, JD. You and I go back years now. Like, oh my God. I think what close to a de- close to half a decade now like at this point i think uh eight, yeah 2018 eight, is when i jumped on when i joined fear the fin so yeah there's a picture of us uh floating out there of you as a small small child and uh <laughs> me continuing to be a middle-aged man so uh but today we're going to since the sharks were supposed to play the connects tonight but uh of course uh covid shut down everything because we can't have nice things uh we're still going to talk about the canucks and the very very interesting season that they've had and how uh, they have turned things around. So we'll get right to that here in just a second. You're locked on sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose sharks, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So is Bruce Boudreaux the best coach in the NHL now or the greatest coach ever? I think that's the big question, right? <laughs> um, I think he's probably, do you know what? Like, I think he's just the greatest coach in the history of sports. In like, all of sports. Been, yes, yes, there have been some great coaches in sports. Um, there was Pat Riley. Uh, Bill Belichick. Bill you know, Belichick. Lombardi. Yes. Yeah, yes. he's the best. He's better yes, than all but of them. Bruce Boudreaux is clearly the best the best of all time like there's no there's no question there's a, yes um so let's start at the beginning with the Canucks so it's been a uh so the Canucks coming off the bubble you know they felt like the, a team that was about to kind of make the jump right you know they, they took Vegas to seven games and you know unfortunately lost last season the shortened season was uh, because of you know playing the Canadian division they you know kind of took a step, step back um and then this year just came out poo-poo platter, right? So why, yeah. where where was the connect like as a Canucks fan, where were you kind of have you the past couple of years been for you? Oh, they've uh I mean, well, there are two answers to that question. One is just the general sense of where have the last few years gone. <laughs> I've uh I have no idea, but that's for a different reason. Um with the Canucks, I think there was always, at least from my vantage point there was always this kind of idea that um, they were doing very well. Like during the bubble at that season leading up to the, to the bubble and everything, they'd been very, they'd been pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't see them necessarily as a cup contender by any stretch, but it was, uh, there was definitely like, Oh, the writing's on the wall. There's, there may be starting to build towards something pretty good. And then after the bubble, uh, about half of of the all of the team's best free agents really uh, walked uh, for a variety of reasons, um, many of which were self inflicted reasons uh, by the by management at the time, and uh, it, it 
on on one hand, it led us to Thatcher Demko uh, becoming the starting goalie, which I think even at the time I was like, I think this is the right call to move forward with him. Um, but there were things that just set them back years. They kind of they really did uh, they really did set themselves back a long time. Uh, a lot of that is due to uh, the the ownership kind of uh, closing uh, up the purse strings a bit and not letting the team spend what they had the year before. Like mm-hmm. they, the Canucks had given up uh, Tyler Madden and a, and a, and a big round draft pick uh, to get Tyler to Foley. And at the end of the day, you only get 10 regular season games out of him and of uh, a smattering of playoff games. And that wasn't worth it for that price, but they didn't want to keep going at it, even though they could have got him on a, pretty team-friendly contract. They didn't want to spend any extra money, so they didn't. And... Makes, makes more money than Tyler Toffoli. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty close, yeah. It's, like, yeah. For the amount that the, like, and that uh, and that was one of the things that immediately came back to haunt them because uh, they he um, comes into Vancouver, very first game, back with the Canadian score, <laughs> scores a hat trick, and... I, I, and I, I had accidentally predicted that on Twitter before it happened, uh, like days before I was like, oh, he's going to score a hat trick. And then he sure did. And I, yeah, it, it all fell apart. It kind of really just fell apart from there. Like that was kind of the, that was the, the moment that it kind of broke, I would say. And last season, everything that could have gone wrong did, uh, the COVID outbreak on the team, uh, just players who they had brought in to kind of uh help help the dam undo some of the damage like mm-hmm. Nate Schmidt and Brain Hold Me did not work out. And uh which led us into this season where the team uh got worse, somehow managed to get a whole lot worse. And and then it fine it led to uh Jim Benning and Travis Green uh losing their jobs. And I was like I've been somebody who like there who for years has been like okay I don't trust Jim Benning to get this done. Like I do I simply don't and it was like it was one of those days where it was actually it was it was it was an exciting day when they when they got rid of him. Like I feel bad for him. Like he's there's still a guy behind those decisions, but at the same time, he wasn't doing his job. He wasn't yeah. good at his job. He had been there far too long. Uh, the fact that he is the longest tenured GM in Canucks history is wild when you look at the track <laughs> record he had versus some of the the other guys he passed. Um, and yeah, there was a. Uh, there was a bit of a idea that management and the and ownership really had kind of gotten complacent and been op- and thought that just kind of trying to squeak into the playoffs was okay. And already, just in like the last like six games, like stretch the Canucks have been on and into like the hiring of Bruce Boudreaux and Jim Rutherford and uh, Derek Clancy coming in as assistant GM. Already, it feels like there's just a lot more hope for what the Canucks' future holds. Yeah, it's been, you know, like when the season started, you know, I saw those two connect games in a row and I'm like, okay, here's here's a nice easy four points for the Sharks. And yeah, that's not how it turned out. So uh, before, though, we continue, we kind of talk about what uh, Bruce Boudreaux has brought to the the Canucks. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a quick break and talk to you guys about our friends over at Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of free 5G phones so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. 
the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all the insights and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save, all the edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone, limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere for all phones slash networks. See boostmobile.com for details. So what has been Bruce Bruger? Like, what has he brought to the Canucks? Like, is it just structure? Like, what are they doing different now that they weren't doing two weeks ago? So originally, you know, I think a lot of people were under the assumption that, you know, coaching hadn't really been much of the problem, especially with the way that uh, the front the front office had been running things. But it is actually like cl like crystal clear how different uh, the Canucks are playing now that uh, in the first games of Bruce Boudreaux than they were in the last games of Travis Green. And mm. I, I don't know how much of that was, say, uh, like the coach's decisions. I mean, it has to be somewhat, but there was definitely yeah. a sense of the Canucks during uh, the last, those last couple games. Uh, and most of the season had been playing a strategy where they looked at their defense, which is not good. No. And they said, <laughs> okay, so the defense is not good. We know that what we're going to do is we're going to pull back the forwards a bit, play them more conservatively, have them play a little bit more conservative hockey in an effort to kind of try and uh, bandage over that a little bit, which mm -hmm. in like, you know, in on paper kind of sounds makes like sense. the right idea. Yeah, it, it makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, it makes sense in theory. But the problem is that the Canucks best attribute is the fact that they are quick on the attack and can score and can score in bunches when they want to. Yeah. And by pulling them back to play a little bit less aggressively meant they were not scoring nearly as much. And at the end of the day, it wasn't really helping them that much mm -hmm. either because the defense is still not good enough. And so under Bruce Boudreaux, the immediate changeover was that, okay, we're going to let the forwards go back to kind of playing a much more aggressive style again because at the end of the day, whether or not they're playing conservatively or not, there's going to be a lot of scoring chances anyway. So you might as well let them go do what they are what they do best. Yeah, And you know, the way Thatcher Demko has been playing all season, like he is one of those goaltenders that can absolutely steal games for you and stop an insane number of shots. If you're, even if he's get on a nightly basis, so you need to be able to give him the run support to back him up. And they've done that this entire time. We've seen guys like Brock Besser, who literally I, I'm writing about this right now. He went, he he went on a 12-game goalless drought before Bruce Boudreaux got here. He now has five in in six games. And two he's against, and, yes. yeah, two against the Sharks. He he looks like a completely different player than he did mm -hmm. before. Uh Pedersen is starting to come back around again. He struggled a bit in the early going. He's looking a lot better. Uh the and overall, the the forward group looks night and day different and that's why they're winning games right now they're catching a few teams by surprise for sure just because yeah. of again how badly they played before now that they're kind of catching on a couple teams that might have sat back on them are realizing too late that they need to be a lot more uh a, lo a lot stronger on the forwards and uh yeah they're they're doing a lot better and what's been nice as well is knowing is seeing like the coaches and uh jim rutherford is now the president uh, reacting to like how this has gone. And like, people have been like talking them up and be like, Oh, you guys might make the playoffs. And they're like, we're, we're still want to see what they, what they 
look yep. like by January before we look at anything like that. And it's just like, thank God. <laughs> Cause yeah. yeah, that's the big thing is we don't want to overreact. Six wins is hard to do for even the best teams really. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to put too much crazy long-term stock into what they're doing now, but they're definitely playing a style that is much better for what they can do. And to a degree, it is much more sustainable that they can kind of keep some wins going here. Yeah. And I mean, we saw that in the Sharks game where, I mean, I would argue the Sharks outplayed, you know, Vancouver for large chunks of that game, but you know, Aiden Hill versus uh, versus Demko, like it wasn't much of a match up there, you know. And like we saw, Hill got hung out to dry a couple times, but like you still got to make saves at some point. And Demko was was insane and made a bunch of great saves. You know, there was I saw like the Hobblewalks breakaway where, you know, like that's that's a big point there if he scores there, like stuff like that where it's like having a, an elite goalie can kind of help cover up the mask up your bad defensive issues. And we've seen that with the sharks this year too, where especially when Reimer plays where it's like the def- the defense has played a lot better than what we've seen from the sharks the past couple of years. And having Reimer back there to kind of help cover some of those mistakes have helped the sharks be a lot better than we thought they were going to be. But, you know, I think, um, and too, like we were saying with Boudreaux, like sometimes just that change of philosophy or that new voice and you get that kind of dead, that, dead cat bounce when you change coaches and stuff like that. So uh, I know you're a very optimistic Canucks fan, but do you think that they have a legit chance to, to make the playoffs, especially in a Pacific where it's, I mean, it's Vegas is starting to come around now, you know, Calgary is really good. Edmonton's got Connor McDavid. And then the rest of us are just kind of this mismatch and the ducks have been playing really well. I'll give the ducks their due. The ducks. Been yeah. playing really well too, But the rest of us are just kind of this mismatch of who knows. Right. Um, that is like, honestly, right now, I, I, I have no idea, which is different than what I would have told you last week. I'll get, I'll say that much last week. I would have said, no, not in a million years. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think like, I'll say what I said before the start of the season, when we were talking about it on, uh, on the crease cast at the time we were talking about how the forwards are definitely an improvement from last year. And if Demko can hold while the defense isn't good, it wasn't la- good last year either, just based on the Pacific division kind of being a bag of question marks. Yeah. There is a there is a slim chance in there that they could make it in. And I think right now they're kind of playing, they're playing hockey more in line with what we expected when the season started. So but so in a way, like I could see that, but because of how big, how deep a hole they dug themselves in during the first part, I don't know if they can really climb back out. It's, it's early enough that it's still kind of possible, but a lot has to kind of has to break their way. And I think, I mean, again, I think there are, op, there are, po- there are possibilities there. Mm-hmm. Um, like Anaheim, I will say like, I, I, I see Anaheim is doing very well. Like they're doing very well. I don't, I don't really know if I buy that. I don't trust it long-term either. I don't trust it long-term. I would honestly say I would put the flames in that same category. I've Mm. been very, I've been on that train for a long time that the flames are not like as good as people think they are. They're okay. They're definitely better this year than I was anticipating, but I still don't buy them as like a legitimate contender yet. Uh, I've seen them fall apart too many times, uh, to, to believe in that. Uh, and I've also seen them overcook goaltenders way too many times. Yes. Um, 
I I do I I do see a slim possibility that they get in there, but I think they're going to have to see some teams like the Ducks, like the like the Oilers, like uh, one the of those teams needs to fall off. Yeah, needs to so. fall off. I mean, I mean, hey, the Knights aren't like the Knights are coming back a little bit, but I honestly am like, oh, they don't look that good. They don't look as good as they usually do. I'm not really sure. They're they're I'm not yeah, sold on think- them either. The Jack Eichel thing is just hanging over that. That's the that's the scary part too. Is yeah, the Jack. Yeah, Eichel. he's yeah. he's coming. I mean, it's that's it's hard to that's, to just come, the jump key. out there and be Jack Eichel again. But still, yeah, it's still scary. So, um, you know what the Canucks could probably use like a nice Swedish forward who can you know snipe goals and you know be on Pedersen's side. Who someone uh, like Jonathan uh, Dahlin. Uh, Oh, of course. How could I forget about Jonathan Dolan? <laughs> you know, Hasn't I would love great? Jonathan Dolan. Yes, he's been he's been fantastic. And in a way, I kind of love that he's been so good because it just gave like, OK, during the first part of the season, like a lot of people like basically every, like the last what, 10 games of the mm-hmm. of that of Jim Benning's tenure were just. Hey, when are they going to fire him? Because it had gotten so bad and it was so clearly again, like it wasn't a case really of the team not playing up to standards so much as it was the, you did this to yourself. You've, you've, you've clearly made bad decisions that have led you to this point where you are so, you are so where your team is bad, despite not having any injuries or anything of that nature to deal with at the time. Now we've kind of seen a couple guys bounce yeah. in and out with COVID and other reasons, but just the, the, the extra, like uh, the extra like cannon fodder for people that like, Hey, look guys, Jonathan Dolan is doing really well he's, after being he's really good at hockey. Can you believe after, that? <laughs> can you believe that this guy that the team sold on, sold on over a the tiny for the tiniest dumbest reason in the world uh is actually pretty decent what a shock and it, like as somebody who is like again who is there the who was there the day he like the day after he was traded or the day of like his first game as a barracuda i was yeah. i got to talk to him it was like god uh, this poor kid he he clearly is just relieved to be out of whatever situation he was in before and in like in the time since like myself and my, uh, my, my podcast goes Cody, uh, who does, who does, uh, AHL coverage fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talked to Trent Cull in that time. And he's like, uh, and he's talked about that stuff before. Like it was one of those things where Trent Cull didn't even think it was, that was a, a thing that was going to happen and was surprised by it. So you'll wonder who made that call. <laughs> and yeah, again, I'm thrilled for Dolan that he's doing well. Like, I think a lot, I think if you're, if you're covering hockey the way that like the way that you should, and you're watching the game the way that you should, like I, I have no reason to not be thrilled for him that he's getting his opportunities and he's getting the chance to be so good with the sharks. Cause I get like, I don't know, like who knows if that would have come with Vancouver with their track record, really at developing prospects. Utica, they had to burn it to the ground and leave just to get a chance. So but. Yeah, it was a it was it's been a it's been a that was a rough go like the entire like you look at the history of that team and the development path that they got through that they had there uh really outside of goaltenders there's not many guys who spent a long time there that ended up as like game breaking NHLers one of the few guys that like uh, one the few guys that have spent time there that went on to do some stuff with the Canucks all have ended up kind of traded or like yeah. disappearing really quickly. 
And yeah, that's it's good for Dolan that he's doing well. He was a guy that I long have felt like, you know, if you somebody just gave him the opportunity, he would do so well with it. And I'm glad to see that he's proving that right and that he's getting those chances in San Jose. All right, before uh, we finish up, we want to take a quick break and talk to you guys about our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online's got you covered for all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues their march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Lachlan, I have to pick your brain as a goalie, as the emergency backup to the emergency backup goalie. Um, Aiden Hill, young goaltender. Um, he's had his ups and down moments, and I think his biggest uh, weakness has been his glove hand. What can, as a goalie, like what is there anything he can do about that? Does he need to be like more aggressive in his crease? Like, what can he kind of overcome if his glove hand is just kind of like not doing this as much as it should be? <laughs> yeah, that's so. I, I, I'll, so, uh, I, before the show, I told JD, I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't prep any game tape. Yeah. Otherwise, I totally would have because this is right up my alley. Um, but from what I can like remember and kind of gather from like, say, the Brock Besser goals in mm-hmm. particular, like those were a couple shots that I think both beat him over the glove side or yes. they beat him like that's high. all that everybody's just in Hill. It's like right up here. That is where everyone is shooting is that glove side, like shoulder right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And with and with Hill, one of the things I do remember about that last game with, against the Sharks was that on the I believe this would have been the second goal, the second Besser goal, which was in the in the second period. Um, I noticed him do something that I used to do a lot as a goaltender, where when I would kind when I'm coming out to kind of challenge the shooter. And I go down into the butterfly. I make that. I drop into that butterfly. My glove would kind of drop with me because that's mm. kind. Because that's kind of what you're taught early on, right? Is you're always taught that oh, uh, I'm covering a low shot. So when I'm going to the butterfly, I'm clearly going to cover a low shot. So I drop my blocker down. I bring the glove down to kind of match to kind of build a wall a little bit. Um, but obviously that it's not that easy. It's not that clear cut. There are guys in front of the net who might be right and close, but they're going to get a high shot in on you anyway. Guys like mm-hmm. Brock Pester who can just snipe like nobody's business. Yeah. And I, you, what I immediately saw from Hill was the, it was that kind of that hesitation where you see the hand drop for just the split second and then immediately pop back up on the shot. And, but, but at that point it's too late. He's already made kind of the first the first initial reaction has kind of bit him. And it looks to me like, yeah, that's just a guy who's still kind of learning about, you know, um, keeping his his hands out in front a little bit farther forward. That's something mm-hmm. I maybe he needs to do definitely. Like he's he's kind of tracking the puck with it. He's tracking the puck with his body, but not really with the the hands as much as he should. He's got to, if you put the glove out a little bit farther, cuts off a little bit more of that angle and gives you a little bit more leeway to kind of pull it up for that, for that, uh, for that shot. And it's maybe just a case of he's kind of holding the hands a little bit too far back into his body. He's trying to stay a little bit too compact when he should bring them out a little bit, uh, farther towards the puck a little bit more. 
Makes sense, uh, you know, especially because like you see Reimer, who's kind of we we jokingly give him the nickname Sausage Daddy because his hands are like he's way out there, you know, and yes. like yeah, like and it's kind of I guess being more aggressive with it, where like yeah, he'll kind of feels a little bit more back. And I don't know if it's like especially for a guy who's six six, like he's a big guy, you know, like you would think he would try to like kind of almost like a bear and just kind of come out at you as best as he can, but um, so it that that just seems that does seem like something that's kind of more technique and coachable though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it's something that you can definitely work out. Like I know, like, uh, you know, I obviously going back to when, when I covered the sharks, I remember talking a lot about uh, a fellow by the name of Martin Jones <laughs> and love them around here. <laughs> well, I love Martin Jones. I actually, it was really funny. Once I ran into him in North Vancouver, just the weirdest thing. Uh, like, of course, like first time I moved back to Vancouver, uh, of course, one of the first hockey player I run into happens to be Martin Jones. Um, was Brendan but- Dillon driving him somewhere? <laughs> no, I think he was there with his uh, his his wife or his uh, his wife or girlfriend. Other, I, yeah. yeah, I noticed the Sharks jersey in the hand. I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then I was like, oh wait, that's Martin Jones. <laughs> Very funny moment. Um, but I remember talking with uh, about kind of the stuff at the time with him where you could notice certain things like in terms of just like body language and how he was reacting to shots that like it was a bit of a that there was definitely a confidence shot mm-hmm. like that was gone. And like, and that was something that without the, with the, the wrong coaching, it kind of put into him a little bit and it, uh, and you could see just in the way that he would react to shots that he didn't used to before that it had really like affected him. And with Hill, it's not that case. It's not a case of like a guy who's reacting to things un- with no confidence or that kind of thing. It's very a case of a guy who's, you know, still building towards something a little bit better. And like you said, he's a big guy. It's almost like he's playing maybe a little bit too, uh, he's playing a little bit too much like the tall guy almost. Like it's kind of a case of, he needs to incorporate maybe a little bit more of that athletic ability. Like James Reimer does have that, Mm -hmm. uh, that aspect to his game where he's not always, he's not the, he's not playing necessarily like big tall guy who's going to cover all the net. He's playing a lot more of like lower, crouching a little bit lower. He's playing a little bit more, uh, reactionary, a little bit more of the athletic saves and everything. And with Hill, maybe he just needs to build into that a little bit more. Yeah, and he's also 24. I think Sharks fans, we have to kind of remember, like, he's 24. Like, you're, he's not a finished product yet. Like, the goalies take a little bit longer to develop, too. So, yeah, Go- goalies are, you know what? Like, one of the things is, like, there are a lot of goaltenders who definitely are, like, later bloomers or, like, age a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like, you know, every goalie is so different. Like it, it's one of those weird things where like, obviously with players, you know, they're never like, oh, every player is very different. Like they're comparables, but people yeah. are very much like, oh yeah, they're gonna, you know, we're there. This player does this thing. This player does this thing with goaltenders. There's this, I, there's this reasoning for a lot of people that, oh, all goalies are kind of the same. Like you can just kind of do one thing and it works for everybody that way. Yeah. And that happens all the time at the NHL level where you'll be like, I don't understand it. This guy who's the same age as Jordan Bennington was when he won the Stanley cup is not a Stanley cup stealing goaltender. Like what, what happened? Like maybe he, they I, need to be crybabies more like Jordan. Bennington. Yeah. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they need to, I, I mean, I, I could give you, uh, I could go on a, a long tangent. Oh, about Jordan we've done Bennington. plenty of Jordan Bennington. Uh, yes. I'm so. sure you have. <laughs> um, I have as well uh, for, for different, for a variety of reasons, but like, you know, Carter Hart's obviously a good example of like people like, well, even just like in today's era and the seasons he's had recently where it's like, well, he was really good the first year. Yeah. Why isn't he 
just as good now. Like it's kind of every goaltender has their different ups and downs and it's about having the right coaching and the right uh, development to get them through those times. Uh, the Canucks are that one of the few things the Canucks are very set in is goaltending and they have a, they have a pipeline of really good goaltending development and a good track record of developing guys like Markstrom, uh, like Demko, uh, right down to, you know, the hopefuls like uh, DPHO and Arter Silovs. Like they look like they've got some good pieces there. And that's because they do a really good job at, you know, coaching guys through the toughest situations and not always, but also not overplaying them, not uh, mm. relying too much on one strategy to fit all kind of thing. Or even sometimes it's a case of drafting goaltenders specifically who fit the mold of what you're looking for and having a good goalie coach like Ian Clark, who is wonder, a wonder, an absolute wonder uh, goalie coaching wise, uh, really helps that. Cool. So we'll trade Kane for one of your goalie prospects and we'll be good to go. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely not. We do not want him. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, we'll take uh, we'll take that uh, that Timo Meyer guy off your hands. Is he, uh, that's, is he uh, you're fun. Yeah, you're fun. So, yeah, all right. Um, that's going to do it. Hurdle? Uh, you you'll have to give up a lot for hurdle because uh, that's that's the fun part is uh yeah what is it's i'm i'm asking for a first and whatever your top pros, uh prospect is so i've I already told the wild guys i want uh marco rossi in your first round pick this year so i've already t- i i think you have you've offered many times before you're like well do you guys want martin jones uh and i'm like sure give us one of hurdle or meyer and that's <laughs> yeah. all you're getting uh i mean we can offer you um we can offer we can probably offer you something like uh oh uh oh there's a you know uh who do we still have left in the pipeline right now <laughs> i'm like trying to search through my brain yeah. like who's exposable i'm like oh god there's nothing there and we're so we're so cap strapped right now i'm sorry <laughs> like uh yeah you're like the the sharks 2019 before they had their 2020 draft class which is now uh but booming but um that's gonna do it for us we are gonna talk star wars but we ran out of time here so i know we're both excited about book of boba so maybe we'll have to we'll we'll have to sneak off and do a book of boba sometime at some point so um Lachlan, where can the people find you and what you are doing um, you can find me on Twitter at Lock in the Crease. You can find me, uh, my me podcasting over at over on the Crease Cast, which I do with Cody Sievertson uh, every Monday and Friday. Uh, not not this week, of course. Uh, this being Christmas and all, just one show on Monday, but usually yes, twice a week. And uh, you can also find my writing work over at uh, Canucks Army. Uh, I write there uh, pretty darn frequently. So uh, yeah, go check uh, check all those out if you want to. Nice. Um, you can, of course, find us on the Twitter at Locked on Sharks, where we shitpost uh, 87% of the time and manifest 13% of the time. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, where we also put up our stuff. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, Pressed Records, where we've got the whole shebang. Um, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We are pushing our way towards 500. And once we get 500, I will recreate the jumbo slide in my living room. And then have to set up a GoFundMe to pay for the hospital bills afterwards. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at my fryhole. Kyle is at Kyle Demetrius, and we'll be back tomorrow with something because we have no games to talk about this week. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a way, what a what a. That's that's really what it is. This whole week is. It's just yeah. We'll see yeah. how things go. Between no games and Christmas, we're just trying to get through. Yeah. Just come back tomorrow. We'll think of something dumb. So. (laughs) 